So we're in part two of a series together called Making Monday Matter. And the idea behind this series in part one, we kicked it off, is an establishment that work, the work that God gave us, is fundamentally a good thing. That work isn't just a good idea, that work is a God idea. And just, again, in case you're just stopping by for the first time, just watching for the first time, uh, when we say work throughout this series, what we mean by that is uh, the activity to which you give your, uh, your, uh, your passion, your energy, energy, your activity, uh, your enthusiasm or not, the activity that you give all of this over to. So that could be work as in going to the office. That could be the work uh, on the job site that you go to uh, tomorrow morning. That could be the work that you wake up to tomorrow with the uh, with the littles and making sure that they stay alive, that they stay safe, uh, away from sharp objects, away from the stairs, right? Uh, we all have the work that we do. Maybe sometimes some of you have been called to the work of retirement on a sandy beach in Florida somewhere. When we say work, it's a, listen, it's a broad term. And we want to make sure that it matters the most it possibly can. And so part two, what we're doing here is, uh, is discovering our purpose, is finding our why? And to kind of lead us into, uh, into how important today's message, uh, I want to share a story with you. Uh, when I was uh, maybe middle school uh, or high school, I played hockey, but not like the cool kids kind of hockey with ice and like travel teams and stuff like that. Uh, I played roller hockey in the summertime with my buddies. We had all the gear and all the pads. And some of you know a hockey player, and you know a hockey player by the distinctive aroma that comes out of that bag. You know what I'm talking about. Now imagine, instead of it being ice in wintertime, if it was like 80 or 90 degrees outside. I mean, it was, it was a pungent aroma. And what we do is, uh, is after, uh, after we played, we take all of our gear, all of our stuff, and we empty most of a bottle of Febreze on it, and then spread it all out like on the back deck and just let the sun hopefully do its microbial thing on all the gear to, to at least take some of that aroma away. So all the gear is just is out there. We had a neighbor kid come over, and he just started, like, playing with some of the stuff, which is like, okay, kid, clearly, like, something is wrong with the sense of smell over here. You should know better, right? So he's, like, he's playing with the gear, and, and then he found one particular item that was, like, let out to be, uh, to be disinfected. It's, uh, it's an athletic cup, some of you know what this is. If you don't, it, it's, um, it's an apparatus that, that protects uh, boys and, and men from danger. And, uh, and all of the gear is spread out on the deck. And this kid like, like, picks up this one thing, and he's like, what's this? And everybody else is like, Somebody, somebody's got to tell him. You know, somebody should tell him. And before anybody says anything, he goes, oh, I know what it is. It's an oxygen mask, and all of the oxygen just sucked out of the room, right? And puts a big whiff in. It's like, no! A memorable story. Uh, I hope you come away with a little bit more than just that. The reason why I share that memorable story with you all uh, is to illustrate a simple truth, that if you don't know the purpose of something, you're likely to misuse or even abuse it. If you don't know the purpose of something, you're likely to misuse or even abuse it. And the acknowledgement in the room today and online, wherever you're watching from, is, is an acknowledgement that some of us don't know what our purpose is, is we don't know what our why is. And so we kind of go through life 
misusing ourselves, our purpose, our why, even, maybe even abusing it and misapplying our purpose and our energy, our passion, our activities into something. And what today is about is avoiding that. Finding your purpose, finding your why. Some of you, uh, some of you show up to work, show up to jobs, and like you pour in, you invest in. I mean, you're like whole self. What started as like a 40-hour-a-week calling blossomed and grew into an 80-hour-a-week consumption. And it doesn't matter if you put in 50 or 90 hours last week. You pour in and invest in, and you are busting your behind for the people that you work with and the people that you work for. And it's like the customers, the managers, the supervisor, your coworkers don't even notice. And you're going, what is the point? What is the purpose? I just don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Some of you have been going to jobs. And I mean that in the kind of way that, that you probably look at it. It's like it's not, a, it's not a calling. It's not a career. It's like a series of jobs. And I'm just trying to figure life out. I'm trying to figure myself out. And it's a, it's a restaurant job over here. It's an office job over here. Maybe it's a construction job over here. None of these things are like pointing in a particular line towards something. You're like just trying it. And going, I don't know what I'm made for. I don't know what my purpose is. What's the point? What's the purpose? I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Don't forget, too, that a, that a work is more than just the thing that you get paid to do. So some of you, some of you, the work that you're doing, those littles, you did it, you kept them safe, away from sharp objects, away from the stairs, and now they're bigger. And now their attitudes are a little bigger as well. And they're in the tough work of establishing their identity and themselves apart from, apart from the rest of the family. And this is a good thing. This is a normal thing. I'm told this is a healthy thing. But also, as you're pouring in and as you're investing in, it's like nothing but rebellion and disassociation is coming. And you're going, what's the point? What's the purpose? I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And maybe, you're, maybe your life before God feels that way as well reading the Bible, going to church, watching online. I'm pouring in, I'm investing in, I don't feel the presence of God. I don't sense the closeness of God. My life doesn't feel all that much different than it did a month ago, six months ago. What's the purpose? What's the point? I don't know. Why? So throughout the series, we're trying to figure out what that why is, and that's really what today is about. Because John Maxwell said one time, once you find your why then you'll find your way. So before we find the way, we're going to try to figure out what the purpose and what that why really truly is. Some of you for the last, for the last year or so, last six months in particular, it's been really eye-opening. Because in the early stages of COVID times, during like panic and, and lockdown, there was fear and there was anxiety. I'm taking like the temperature of people. Kind of that's where we all were. But, but that at some point kind of like ebbs and flows and then we, we kind of made peace with it and we made our new arrangements and we made our new schedules and then we kind of got used to like being in and being closed 
And, and like, we figured out Zoom, and we figured out how to work from home. We figured out how Grubhub works, and how Shipt works, and Instacart. And we figured out a way so that we could never, ever leave our house and get out of our pajamas. And it's like, well, this is kind of nice. And then life and the world starts to move on and starts to change. And it's like, no, I, I kind of liked how things were before. And you find, and you find that it's difficult to kind of adjust to this new reality of, like, expectations. And you're going, like, I don't... I don't have the motivation. I don't have energy. I don't have like that get up and get going. I don't, I don't have a purpose. I don't have a point. I don't have a why. So we want to find our why to find our way. And the good news, if you're here today and if you're at least remotely curious about the teachings and life, death, and ministry of Jesus, you have a why. He gave us our why. And so I'd like to just pass that along to those of you who are still searching for that why. I think it comes to us most clearly in this uh, story that one of his followers, Mark, told in Mark chapter 10. And let's uh, kick it off in in just a moment. I want to set up the passage for you before we get into it. In Mark 10, we're kind of, we're over halfway point, but in the story of Jesus, chronologically, we're really nearing the end. We're landing the plane on on the Jesus story. And Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. And there's been like, Jesus and the religious leaders have been like oil and water this whole time, right? There's a ton of friction there. In fact, more than that, it feels probably a little bit like a powder keg that's just about to go off, just about to explode. And Jesus is going, we're going to go to Jerusalem. We're going to meet the city leaders, the Roman leaders, the religious leaders, and we're going to bring this fight like right to them. And the disciples are thinking, man, this thing is going to blow up. This thing is going to explode. But we've got Jesus on our side. As they're making their way into Jerusalem, they're thinking, man, Jesus is going to show up and he's going to like take off his like rabbi cloak and underneath is going to be his like Messiah robe with a big M on it, you know, and the tights and the cape and he's going to like show everybody who he is. So they're pumped about this. They're excited about what's happening. And, and Jesus kind of like takes from the disciples, which is, which is like maybe 100, 120 people or so, like a lot of followers, he takes his 12 off to the side. And he's like, listen, guys, before we get into Jerusalem, there's just something I want you to know. And that's where we pick it up in Mark 10, verse 33. And Jesus says, we're going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man, that's me. It's this Old Testament Daniel reference to to himself, to the Messiah. Jesus says, and the Son of Man, that's me, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles will mock him, that's me, spit on him, that's me, flog him, that's me, and they'll kill me, and three days later, he will rise. I will rise. Jesus pours his heart and his soul on these 12 guys. You know what awaits me in Jerusalem? Pain awaits me in Jerusalem. And then, Not reading the room, James and John, the sons and Zebedee, came to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What? I'm sorry, um, Jesus just pulled you guys off to the side and said, Man, I'm going to get hurt. They're going to hit me, they're going to whip me, they're going to kill me. And in a 
stunning misunderstanding of the tone of the room. The closest friends of Jesus, James and John, hey, but we got, a, we got a favor to ask. Like, never mind all of that stuff. Like, side note, but you guys ever have one of these conversations that you think, like, it's an intense, like, you're bearing your soul, like, you're really doing some, something eternal, something worthwhile kind of conversation, and then the person just has no idea? If you're a parent, right, if you've taken care of young kids, you get this. We do this little, little Bible reading, devotional kind of thing. The Jesus Storybook Bible, highly recommend. Every story whispers his name. So I'm reading like an Old Testament story, right, like uh, David and Goliath. And I'm, t- I'm telling my, at the time, maybe like four-year-old, like, hey, like this is the deal, you know, like, like we're not David in the story, you know, we're not the heroes of our story, we're not Goliath, the villain in the story either, you know, we're like one of the Israelites, like, cheering on our champion, and Jesus is in the valley, fighting our battles, conquering the devil's sin and death, you know, and we're saying, like, go Jesus, you know, and, and he's going to rescue us, and I'm thinking, like, I'm really getting through to this kid, right, and it's like this, this holy moment, and, and he's quiet, and he's, like, staring off, you know, into the distance, and I'm going, you, you, you get that, son? And he goes, hmm, I've got a question. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good. He goes, you've got a weird big toe, Dad. <laughs> it's not even a question. <laughs> okay, moment lost, like moving, <laughs> moving. On. That's Jesus for these guys. He's bearing his heart and his soul in that moment. And they're like, yeah, but like, we have a favor to ask. Now, Jesus, like a good parent, is like, okay, you know, like my job is to indulge you at least to an extent. So he, he does that in verse 36. Okay, what do, you, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. This is the favor. I know that you're going to die, and I know that they're going to hurt you, and I know all this bad stuff is happening, and honestly, we're probably going to check out for that part. Uh, We'll come back for the ending when the good stuff starts to happen. Uh, So in the ending, when the powder keg explodes, I just want the favor. Uh, All the pictures that we've seen of kings, there's somebody on one side, somebody on the other side. We'd just like to be the guys on either side of you when all the the good stuff happens. That's, That's our request. Obviously, it's terrible timing that Jesus heart would probably just break. I imagine there's a lot of anxiety in the moment when he's sharing these things with his disciples, but they miss all of that and just kind of go to the end. But beyond that, it's like towards the end of the story and they still don't get it. You know, they, they still think that this whole thing is really centered around them. Like, like they are the center of the story, that they are the center of the universe, that they are Goliath down in the valley fighting off the evils of the Philistines. And Jesus wants to encourage them and he wants to encourage us as well. And he just says, listen, your purpose isn't for just you. You don't find your purpose. You serve God's purpose. Your purpose isn't just around you. Your purpose isn't just for yourselves and the glory to sit on the right and the left. Your purpose isn't to binge watch Netflix. Your purpose isn't to scroll as many Instagram reels as you can or watch as many TikTok videos as you can. Like your purpose just isn't about you. It it isn't to become an influencer. It isn't to become a CEO or a famed author. Like your purpose isn't just around you. My purpose just isn't just around me. 
And that's what the disciples, that's what they had, like, had to figure out when they're finding their why. It wasn't just about them. I've noticed something. I've noticed that a lot of us in our discovery or attempts to find our purpose, what we do is we try to like, we try to become a great experimenter and we try to go around and we try to try on as many purposes, try on as many whys as we possibly can. And we think that we can find our purpose. And so we'll go around, we'll try on a job and to figure out if that fills our bucket, to figure out if, if that really validates us. And if the job doesn't validate, we'll either move on to a different job or we'll move on from the job to something else and maybe try on a relationship. Does she fill my bucket? Does he validate me? And we'll move on from the relationship if it doesn't work out from, from there. And then we'll try on, well, maybe it's, maybe it's a status thing. Maybe, maybe it's a brand thing, you know? We'll, we'll try on different clothes or different labels and, and, like, live into those brands. Does that fill my bucket? Does that ultimately, fully and finally, like, validate me. And our whole life just becomes like this one kind of experiment from thing to thing to thing to thing. And we never go deep in on what God has asked for us. And, and, and what we're finding here is that the people, they don't find their purpose. They serve God's purpose. Which is why when you like look ahead at the people who ultimately found or ultimately achieved whatever it is that you set out to achieve, Maybe it's popularity, or maybe it's prosperity, or maybe it's power. Like, you finally go down those roads, and you find out people at the far end of however popular, like, you ultimately want to be, and you find out that there's this deep-seated insecurity even in that. And you're going, I thought at that level, all of it would be washed away. No, 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 it just, it just has a way of growing. Or you go down that road and you find people who are powerful, more powerful and more influential than, than you ever thought that you could be. Yet, on the far end of there, there's still misery there. They're still miserable over there. You're going, how can that be? You go down the road of, of prosperity, maybe financially, and they just have more resources than you ever thought. And you're going, okay, there, finally, they can have whatever. They can buy popularity. They can buy power. They've got it. But still, there's like this hole Why is that? Well, number one, you don't find your purpose. You serve God's purpose. And number two, is that, guys, you weren't made for this world. We weren't made for... You were made for heaven. And nothing in this world is going to fill the bucket that you were made for. So we've got to stop finding the validation, the fulfillment in this world for something that ultimately won't be found in this world. Now, everybody else, right? They catch wind of this, that these two guys, James and John, you know, pull Jesus to the side. Hey, can, can we be like right and left? And they're indignant, right? Oh, can you believe these guys? Cutting in line like that, pulling Jesus to the side here at the 11th hour, fourth quarter, third period, like at the end, like they're trying to sneak and cut, cut ahead of us. They're, in, they're indignant, but they're not like, how could, you, how could you possibly do that now? You know, Jesus is burying their soul. No, no, no. They're indignant because they're like, hey, what about me? Don't forget about me. Where's my place in all of this? 
And so Jesus goes, okay, we got to address everybody now. Hey, team meeting, huddle, let's come on in, verse 42. Jesus called everybody together and said, okay, important point, this is everything. You know that, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentile, you know how they rule it, lord it over them? And you know how like their high officials exercise authority over them? Like, you know how the world works? You know how like the people who are rich and powerful kind of like leverage that power on people who aren't? And usually on the, the detriment of the people uh, who aren't? And, like, you know how like the people who have all of this, this influence usually kind of manipulate or control the people who don't have so much influence and they're like yeah no we get that and just is like you know how you know how like the people who have all the stuff get more of the stuff because the people who don't have the stuff kind of watch all the stuff go to the people who have all the stuff you know like how the world works and the disciples are like yeah i mean no we we get it jesus we get it so much that's why we wanted to be on your right and your left and just good i'm glad we're on the same page you've seen this happen before and jesus looks them square in the eye one of these like dinner table kind of conver- conversations and he, and he looks at him and he goes four words not so with you that's how the rest of the world works but not so with you you're going to be different not so with you 43 instead Whoever wants to become great among you must be, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Listen, nothing wrong. Jesus is not saying there's anything wrong with being great. That's not what he's coming down on. It's a good thing to want to have a great impact in the world that he made. Jesus had a great impact in the world that he made. The disciples of him, they all, each one of them, had a great impact on the world. One of them, Judas, it was kind of a negative impact, but a great impact nonetheless, a big impact. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have a great impact. It's the how of the greatness. It's the what the greatness is used for. Verse 45, for even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus lands this whole thing and going, listen, you don't, you don't find your purpose. You serve God's purpose. And when you get to that place where you want to serve God's purpose, what it looks like is serving God's people. I mean, you, you know who, like, who got this message? The very joker who's asking Jesus if he can be on his right and his left in the worst timing ever. John. John, like, like gets this, man. He internalizes this. There's, there's this story where, where Jesus says, listen, the point here isn't to be served, isn't to be great. The point is to use that greatness for something else. The point is to serve someone else. If you want to serve God's purpose, serve God's people. John gets this. After this conversation, Jesus, a little while later, calls these people again uh, to have a meal, his last meal. I mean, he's got hours with these people. At the last meal, he's going to be arrested. He's got maybe like four hours or so as a meal with these, with these disciples. And he shows up, and they all walk in from the street, and they've all got, like, the fuel left over from horses out and donkeys out in the road. Like, it's dirty. They've got crud on their sandals. 
like in their toenails and between their, it's, it's disgusting, right? And, and somebody has to like wash those feet. And they show up to this last meal with Jesus, this holy meal with Jesus. And it's like, oh man, can you believe, like we forgot to hire someone to like wash the feet of everybody coming in. It's like the coat check guy, like we, we forgot to, to bring somebody on. And Jesus is like, no, no, no problem, I got this. So Jesus like takes off his jacket and everybody's like, no, 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 dude, dude. I get the tone. I, I can read the room now. Jesus, please put the jacket away. Like, I can, I'll do this. He goes, no, no, I got it. I got it. And he gets down, and he starts washing the crud off from the disciples' feet, like one at a time, one at a time. You know how long it takes to wash 24 feet, 12 pairs of feet? Some of you, you've been to, like, the foot washing ceremonies at weddings. It takes forever. Like, Jesus is doing this one by one. He's washing the feet. And everybody is just watching this thing take place. For John, it left a mark. It left a memory. If I want to serve God's purpose, I'm going to serve God's people first. John took this thing from Jesus. He took that action from Jesus. In Acts chapter 6, a little while later, people are crowding in busting through the walls to get to the disciples. Tell us about Jesus. We want to know about salvation. We want to know about eternal life. We want to find our why, find our purpose, so we can find our way. Like, like tell us about him. And everybody around is like, well, there's, there's one guy who spent more time with Jesus than anywhere else. And they're like, okay, where is he? Well, his name's John, and we actually can't get him away from the widows and the orphans to tell you about Jesus right now. And they're going out to John and be like, hey, man, I know, like, God cares about the widows and the orphans, and God cares about the hungry and the needy, but, like, John, somebody also, like, kind of has to tell them about, about Jesus, right? So can you, can you do that, John? You're uniquely qualified to tell them about Jesus. And, and John's like, no, 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 I learned my lesson. I figured it out. I'm not coming away from the widows and the orphans and the people who need me. I'm going to feed the hungry no matter what. And they're like, John, seriously, dude, you are in a position. We need you to tell them about the resurrection. Somebody has to do that. It has to be. We'll find somebody else to do this job. And he said, no, no, I'm not going to leave. You guys, the office of deacon in the church was created as a direct result of this principle right here. That if you want to serve God's purpose, serve God's people. They couldn't get John away from the poor and the widows and the orphans for long enough to tell him about Jesus. We'll create a new thing to take care of that John. John, John gets it. You want to serve God's people, you serve God's people. John gets it. Some, some of you get it. This is, this is kind of like a little, um, this is like a, like a business tip, I guess. Not from me. I don't, I don't know anything about becoming a, like an influencer. I've got like 18 Instagram followers. It's amazing, right? Just pictures of my kids. Um, I don't know anything about an influencer. I don't know anything about being a, a CEO. I don't know anything about being a New York Times bestseller author. I don't know about being a a CEO or administrator. I don't know about so many, so many things. I started a church because Jesus said he will build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So I'm like, I'll just do the one job that God literally said, I'll do it for you. <laughs> Easy way out. I don't know about those, those other things. 
Um, but I talk to many people, I talk to many of you who do know about those things. And it's like lesson number one is when you start off, you think like, I gotta, I gotta get rich, I gotta get successful, I gotta get promoted, I gotta sell books, I gotta gain followers. And it's like across the board, people who are in those positions will say, no, no, no. <laughs> You don't get to be CEO, you don't get to be a bestseller or an influencer, verified status. You don't get to that level just by trying to get to that level. You get to that level by serving people. You get to that level by, by creating content, a YouTube channel, a, a, a following that helps people. You get to that level by creating a product that, that serves people and helps people out so much that they want to like buy the thing. And then eventually they buy the thing and they're like, this is a really good thing. And they tell their friends about the thing and then they get come and buy the thing. And then you got to like hire some people to like help you to make the thing and to market the thing so that more people can hear about the thing and buy the thing. And the whole thing is really, really God honoring at its heart. But you're not just doing it to get rich or to move a lot of product along. You're getting it to help people out to serve people. You want to serve God's purpose. It's universally true. Serve God's people first. Now, some of us, like looking for our why, searching for our why, we kind of, we, we, we understand that, that idea. In the, in the like shutdown time of things, like when, when fear and panic and, you know, we didn't really know what to, what to make of what. And so while the church uh, for that brief time was, uh, was online exclusively, like I got, I got to like bump into, bump into some people and, uh, you know, we'd like kind of micro-connect at the grocery store and just be like, how's things going? You know, is it all right? Yeah, okay, I'm Dirk. Mask check. Okay, yep, I'm Dirk, and you're so-and-so. And we'd like meet up this way, and I would ask like, what, like, what do you miss? I miss church so much. What is it about that you miss? And I'm thinking, it's probably like, probably these fantastic messages, right? Like being here, you know, with people. That didn't come up. Not bitter. That's fine. I get it's probably the music. Nothing beats like a live and in-person worship experience that really can't be exported online all that well. It's very difficult to do. Um, it's probably singing, shout singing praises to God in, purpose, in person. It's not that. What I most got in return from, from one individual in particular, Dirk, what I miss is serving. Specifically in Next Gen. I miss seeing kids come through these doors. And I miss what a great opportunity it was to tell them about Jesus. I miss it. You want to serve God's purpose. Start serving God's people. You find that why. And he'll make the way pretty clear. Last weekend, a group of people kicked off uh, a run for the Grand Rapids Marathon and Half Marathon. Uh, in the spring, a running group got started for Team World Vision and Team Encounter. And I want to celebrate. I want to recognize some of these individuals. It's a pretty cool story. You see, what they discovered along the way and what I discovered along the way is that there's many places in the world where people don't have access to clean drinking water. And so this group said, we're going we're gonna to do something about that. I want my heart to break for the things that break God's heart. And so they said, listen, if, if the problem is that people have to walk sometimes four miles to get to drinking water, clean or not, 
We're going to do something about that. It prevents these kids from being in school, learning new skills, jobs to better their life. At worst, it means a, a mortality rate of 50% of ages 5 and under. Half of kids in these communities don't make it to age 6. We're going we're gonna to do something about that. And so 30 individuals from the Encounter community said, we're going to do something about this. 30 people raised $49,135 to dig wells and to provide clean water for 983 people with, with water insecurity. Can we just like celebrate that for just a moment? It is so cool. I love that. Last weekend, it was a big weekend last weekend. Last weekend, we did our trunk or treat. And we like lined up the parking lot with people who came out like 30-something trunks to decorate them, to have a good time, to pass out candy. They're kind of snaking all the way around the, the, the block. And it was raining and it was miserable, but there's smiles and people having a good time. We brought them in our doors. Many of them have never been inside of a church before. We had the lights on and music playing. More candy inside through the upper lobby and cafe on the way out. In the pouring rain, we passed out candy to 1,107 individuals who came into church, many of them coming to church for the first time as a result. It's this cool thing that God is up to, not just so that we can provide sugar for kids who want sugar. No, no, that's not the point. The point is that so they would know that we love where we live. The point is that they know that God loves them to death and back again to new life. That's the point. Can we just celebrate the trunk or tree people now who part celebrating part of that awesome event? And right now we've got some people that have said yes to God's call on their life. And you notice our baptism tank is out. And you've been hearing us talk about baptism weekend for a little while now. And right now what we want to do is we want to celebrate what God is up to in the lives of these individuals, of saying yes to showing the world that they have found their why, that they've found their purpose, and it's to serve God's highest purpose. So let's, let's stand up right now, if we could, and let's celebrate some baptism. Let's go into some times of, of singing and some praise. Um, as we get into this, Meredith, I would love for you to invite you to come on forward. And as she makes her way forward, I'd just like to, uh, just like to read her story here. Meredith shared a little bit of it, and she said uh, that she started her relationship with Jesus as a kid. Uh, growing up, going to churches most of her childhood. During that time, she got very involved with a youth group in Pennsylvania, her walk with Jesus, as all of ours have, if we're honest, had ups and downs and doubts along the way. But she writes, doubts no longer. Today, she is taking this courageous step to show the world that she's been raised with Christ. I want to invite my friend Ryan to come on forward. Ryan shares a bit of his testimony. He said that I was always in church. I sometimes felt distance from God. Sunday morning just didn't translate into Monday. I had a foundation of Christianity and tried to do God's will. And somewhere along the way, the passion for worship and prayer were lost. I've struggled with sin in my life for several years. And now, during a deeply personal crisis, I came back to church. I felt spiritually refreshed 
and in a period of new growth, I recognize the need to have the vertical relationship with God before I can have the horizontal relationship with friends and family. My personal testimony is that God loves me and sent Jesus to go to the cross for me. And today, Ryan is taking his courageous step to show the world he's been raised with Christ.